Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of that guy that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek The Next Generation's Geordi LaForge, avid reading enthusiast LeVar Burton. The library was the way to educate a child and teach them imagination and reading. And so we went to the local library on the streetcar about every Friday night. And we all got a full load of books and came home. And I used to love to curl up with a book. Ah, that quote is so near and dear to my heart. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Jordy. You guys, if you're familiar with the Star Trek universe, then I know you know the Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, Mission Log. And today we are super lucky to have John Champion on. John, any thoughts about that? Thank you so much. Well, you you just said it. You said near and dear, which is exactly how I feel about that quote. As somebody who was raised by parents who always wanted me to read more than I did, and I probably should be reading more than I do now, yes, absolutely. You, you can't... You can't overemphasize the importance of that, uh, not just from an educational point of view, but from a a, a creativity and imagination point of view. Um, And clearly you can tell how this would have influenced young Gene and his his dedication and focus on the written word as he gets into his later career. And of course we would have LeVar Burton, Mr. Reading Rainbow himself, (laughs) read it so beautifully, so eloquently. I think he did such a great job with that. Indeed. Um, for me, you know, I always go back and forth between who my favorite captain is. Uh, it's it's either Captain Picard or it's Captain Janeway. But for today, I'm going to go with Captain Picard because he was a reader. What I loved about his character, you know, hundreds of years into the future, he was always seen with an actual book. He loved reading his Shakespeare. He loved reading his James Joyce. And I, I always loved how in Gene Roddenberry's future Star Trek universe, when you know technology made everything so easy we they had pads before even ipads existed uh captain picard still chose to read books actual books isn't that interesting that of course picard had the complete works of shakespeare under mm-hmm. that you know glass case and they would mm-hmm. sort of very cleverly change the pages depending on the episode <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes thematically matched up to what was going on but you you nailed it where you said that even on those pads there was always the written word now mm-hmm. hilariously it was typically a different pad for every single book that they were reading mm-hmm. i don't know why they didn't figure out you could just have an app with thousands of books in it and carry around one device. (laughs) But we're so used to now referring to a a podcast or a video cast or something that's quick and easily digestible like that. But there's something really uh, intimate 
about seeing the written word on a mm-hmm. page. And they brought I it back. I was raised goes, up on the. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was raised yeah. up on Carnegie Mellon libraries. Were you guys? I mean, I got so excited when yeah. I got to go to the library oh, for yeah, me, yeah. because like this quote, the library was a way of educating a child and teaching imagination and reading. You could be anyone mm-hmm. in a yeah. book. You could go anywhere in a book. And in fact, in my New York City public school, they didn't believe I read a book a day. They tested this little black girl on comprehension and she got a hundred. I <laughs> uh, had to give me all my gold stars because I was voracious for knowledge, you know? Yeah. You know, for me, it was the Scholastic Book Fair. You know, when it, it happened every, I believe every fall, maybe every spring, you got the little catalog and you could pick out the books that you wanted and your mom would give you just enough money you can go shopping for books. I used to love that. The quote says, and so we went to the local library on the streetcar about every Friday night. Like it's, it was like a family ritual that they did. They did it together as a family and they would come home with an armload of books. Like it just makes it feel so much, um, sweeter. I don't know. There's something about the, the, the image of little Gene Roddenberry with an armful of books coming home from the library, ready to, to feed his imagination. Yeah. And I'll tell you something equally important to that. The idea, you, you nailed it, uh, this being a family thing. I love mm-hmm. that idea because, yeah, you can read the book, you can take that information, but the real value in that is having the discussion afterwards, somebody mm-hmm. asking you what you learned, asking you what you thought about it. And, and by the way, Rachel, I, I just, I, I was thinking about something you said, you know, checking out those books. I remember being in elementary school and constantly uh, checking out things like, well, Robert Heinlein and just starting to get into H.G. Wells and some of their early science fiction writers. I remember at the end of the school year, I think it was the end of fourth grade, I kept checking out the same book over and over and over again. Mm. The librarian was just like, here, just just take it. <laughs> we're we're going to remove it. Yeah, we're just going to remove the card from the catalog. It's yours. Get out. Oh, <laughs> that's actually really sweet. It is. Gave it sweet. To you. It is yeah. I'm still, listen, I'm still an avid reader. Uh, books, books, because I like tactile. That's the thing about books, right? You can touch them, you can hold them. But I I will listen to an audio book too, right? When we're driving and all those things. Mm -hmm. I will say I take umbrage with, and I want to know your guys' opinion, because I don't know if I'm just like, get off my lawn, y'all. But, you know, (laughs) the the Blinkist app is all about like taking a book or a news article and truncating it into a very short thing. And um, it doesn't matter. There's plenty of apps that do that. But I felt like, okay, I get it. You want to get the information as succinctly as possible. But then I thought, we're kind of shortchanging people on the luxury of mm. words, mm-hmm. on on that just lugubrious feeling of sinking into all these things and perhaps looking up things you don't know. I feel like this gener- the new generations are kind of being robbed of that. With Like, don't read the whole thing. And as someone who wrote a book, I want you to read the whole thing. It was really right. hard yeah. to write a book. <laughs> right. Yeah, like the newer generation, are, are, I would say younger people, are more used to reading on their phones and you're you're probably not going to sit and read pages and pages on their phones which is why you know things like twitter and social media blurbs tend to be much more digestible Uh, for me i as much as i love reading and i try to read if not every day every other day so i do read a lot but i find that i've started reading a lot more because of my kindle I still purchase books. You know, one of my favorite author releases a book in hardcover or Rachel, when I bought your book, I 
love to you buy the first. Book. I did oh, buy your book. I of course I, I did. I given you one, stud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so those go into my library. And then if there is a digital version available, I download it to my Kindle because I always have it with me. So I can read on my phone, on my iPad, or in bed laying with my Kindle. I, I do read more because of my Kindle. The, the experience is different, and I think that's okay. You know, there, there's mm -hmm. something really valuable about having that physical book. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the lighting is different because you're not looking at a backlit screen. The smell of the mm -hmm. book is something that is really unique. And I'll give you my favorite analogy, which is uh, thinking about a watch. Now, I wear an analog watch rather than a digital or a smart watch, right? Mm -hmm. And part of the reason I do that is that somebody described once the idea that when you see the seconds, the second hand move, when you see the minute hand, you're seeing what came before it and what comes mm. after. You're seeing mm -hmm. the totality of your experience with that time. And I look at a book the same way. When I have a mm -hmm. physical book, there are the words before and the words that come after, and I'm somewhere in the middle of that at the moment. When it's mm -hmm. digital and you swipe past, it's gone. And you, you have to kind of go back and hunt yeah. to, to be reconnected to that time. So I like to think of a book the same way as I think about my experience with time. That's really beautiful. Yeah, I John. love that. And, and I do think of, I, listen, I'm almost an isolationist at times, right? Like I value my, my own alone time. Mm -hmm. So I like people, but I really need to go home and recharge by myself. And um, part of that is always included, books. So I would count books as among some of my best friends. You know, and they, they're even kind of sentient, some of the books, you know. <laughs> so what, what about you? Do you have any favorites, Trent, growing up? You know, we're talking about like uh, an actual book versus an e-book. Uh, the book that comes to mind is House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. And the book only exists in like an actual book. Like there are no digital versions because of the way that he uses image and text. And, you know, as you get, not to spoil the book, but as you get farther into the story, the world changes around the characters and the text changes around in the book. So you're part of the, you feel like you're part of the story by the very process of reading the book. And it is something that cannot be duplicated in ebook form. For many, many years, uh, fans have always asked, will there ever be an ebook version? And while the author says that he would love to, he just doesn't think it can exist that way because you would lose a very important key part of the reading experience if you had it any other way. I kind of like the ambiguity of books, too. And by that, I mean, uh, obviously, they're very well-written books. I don't mean they're ambiguous, but that I can layer on my perception onto it. Mm -hmm. Unlike a, it's a little trickier with a TV show or a movie. You're being shown the images, but mm -hmm. part of a book and part of, I think, what ties me in with Gene in this quote is, what a fertile imagination the man had to create this, right? Could he have had that imagination without this upbringing fostered in his childhood of reading books? And obviously, that was a big thing in his family. Like, I, I don't know if Star Trek would have been if mm -hmm. uh, Gene was coming up today and, and had his Kindle in his hand. I don't know. What do you think, John? Well, and remember, you know, as he started Star Trek, uh, the goal was to go after science fiction writers. It was to go after people who had already written the great stories. And that's why you had Ted Sturgeon. That's why you had, you know, bringing in people like Harlan Ellison. It, it was a focus on that literary quality to build these stories. It, it wasn't about sort of 
creating the show first and then figuring out what stories get filled in. No, no, it was all mm -hmm. about telling the great story. And you don't get there without that love, that passion for the written word. I, what I also love about this quote is it very succinctly mentions the library, right? The library as being uh, a way of educating a child is one of the tools that we as children can use when we're, you know, growing up and learning things. And not to uh, belabor the point, but you can also borrow books from any library digitally as well. So the library has always been uh, a source of knowledge and education, and even in this new digital age, can continue to still be. I read an interesting, I wish I knew the person who wrote it, but a quote on Twitter where someone said, uh, you know, if you tried to start the library today, you'd be accused of a socialist plot <laughs> and people would put you down for it. And that's actually the truth. Like that quote really resonated with me because when you think about Carnegie Mellon, that was in lieu of I didn't pay any taxes. I feel a little guilty or I care either mm -hmm. way. But that's where that came out of. And um, so there is a little bit of socialism in there. But that that quote really struck me because I thought you're right. W would people say, you know what? I had to pay for my book. You got to pay for your book. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of the way people think today. So I am so glad that the uh, institution that is our public library has sustained. And I really hope that it continues to sustain. Yeah. Well, and, and I think equally important, you're, you're talking about sort of the democracy of ideas, mm -hmm. that here under one roof, every idea can coexist, any topic can coexist. You can go in and find the things that not only have interested you and can expand your knowledge, but also can challenge you. So that, that's the fantastic thing about uh, sort of being set free in a library is that and you that will find anyone, anything. anyone can go to the library. It's yes. not just an elitist thing, right? Yes. It's, for, it's for the everyman. All right. So we want to thank John for being such a fabulous guest today. Uh, and if you would like to see the video of the quotes being read, you can check out the Roddenberry social media pages on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And John, we had a lot of fun talking with you today and we have you for a few more days this week. So thank you. My pleasure. I can't wait. And we hope that all of you will join us tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.